to Two Steps Ahead Podcast. I'm Son Edom. And I'm Tara Shiro. I'd like to welcome you. Basically on the show, we highlight the shit we've stepped in so you don't have to. And um, as we move into the new year, I guess one of the things that people like to do is forget about the past, if they can, Mm -hmm. and look toward the future. Yes. Last episode, we talked about resolutions, how people like to make goals for themselves for the new year. Mm -hmm. And then a month later, they forget about them and they quit because they're quitters. Oh, way to be motivating. But the other thing, too, is how can we really get past some of the things that happened in years past or in the year prior, let's say, in this case. For example, in the last episode, we talked about um, a friend of mine that was pretty much, uh, I kind of came to the conclusion was just kind of lying. We talk about highlighting the shit we've stepped in so you don't have to. I basically got tired of this person's bullshit is really what it came down to. Okay. And so I was like, I'm going to you know, cut the cord, unfriend, unfollow in real life, not social media, and kind of get a break because it kind of got tiring. But then since we did our last podcast, I started thinking a little bit more. Now, I haven't really, I've had some good separation, which has been nice, Okay, but I still keep thinking about the idea of at what point do I try to reconcile, mm. forgive, um, at what point? So I guess the so I guess the question to you is: mm-hmm. Is there a time frame? Should I connect? Try to reconnect with this person? Need more time? What about forgiveness? Should I forgive and turn the other cheek? Get whacked again? <laughs> How many times you get knocked out? I know, right? Forgiveness is so weird because I don't know that in general society if we have a really good definition of forgiveness because. People have all different views on forgiveness. Some people say forgive and forget. I say no, because if you forgive and forget, then you are forgetting what happened. Well, you're forgetting what happened and you're setting yourself up for failure, setting yourself up to happen again. Forgiveness basically is letting go, is relieving the person of the responsibility for what you need. That's one of the things, right? Forgiveness is also forgiving the debt off the balance sheet. Hmm. So, for example, I don't know the inner workings of the story, you know, with your friend, but for, so I'm going to make something up. So, for example, if he was lying to you, so forgiving the debt means that we're not going to keep track of the revenge. We're not going to keep track of. Um, vengeance. We're not going to keep track of the score, like to make sure that the person is punished or that they get their consequences for whatever it is that they did. We're relieving that debt. I mean, I can't kick their ass. No, but what that also means, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be reconciliation. It does not mean that what they did is okay. It doesn't mean that you're going to go back to being friends or that you're even going to trust them again. It doesn't mean giving back what was there before. What it means is, is that you're going to erase the, you know, on the balance sheet, they, when somebody hurts us, it's like they owe us, right? We're just going to erase that debt that they owe. That's what forgiveness is. And a lot of people will say, you know, I just can't do that. I can't, you know, what they did to me is too harsh. Whenever we talk about forgiveness, I always think about people who are like um, the family members of like someone who was murdered, like forgiving the murderer or because we think that, you know, there's certain things that are just unforgivable, but forgiveness is forgiveness. And so it's just, it's harder in some situations, you know, but 
you don't get you don't just jump back into a relationship with that person It's basically letting yourself out of the prison of managing their justice of managing their punishment and relieving them of the responsibility of giving you what you need, which is honesty, um, feeling, you know, regret for what they did means, you know. So if I forgive them, mm-hmm. release them from their prison. Mm-hmm. No, you saying you from your prison. Okay. That's what I was going to say. How do I get out of my prison of like, I want to get revenge. That's what that means. Forgiveness is erasing that debt. So we're not mm-hmm. in charge of their punishment. We're not keeping track of, I want to make sure that, you know, I want to get, I want to retaliate. I want to make sure and get revenge. They need to be punished. Um, we're, we're relieving the, we're letting ourselves out of that prison of making sure that they pay for what they did. You know, you talk about people forgiving murderers mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. When I was working with uh, the Frank Sontag show, we had, I believe her name was Kathy Scott, was, I believe was her name. She was the grandmother of two toddlers that died in the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm-hmm. I think I heard that show. And so she was telling us, she wrote a book about it, mm-hmm. and then she was telling us about her pursuit mm-hmm. for answers because she felt the need to have to know. And so the only one that was left was Terry Nichols. Because mm-hmm. he's serving life in, uh, in uh, Supermax. Mm-hmm. And so she wanted to know why. Why this happened. And it was her pursuit of why that was consuming her. Mm-hmm. You know, not being able to forgive, wanting to know answers, wanting to ter- tell Terry Nichols off, all mm-hmm. of this stuff. And so to make this long book story short and condensed to the point... She had an interview set up with Terry Nichols after a long period of time. She finally got it. Mm-hmm. She was going to get all the answers that she was seeking because Terry Nichols was the one that declined the interview. He finally said yes. So it was like the day of or the day before, something like that, that the interview was going to happen, that she was going to be able to talk to Terry Nichols and get all the answers that she wanted and finally have some resolution. Mm-hmm. And then she stopped and decided, you know what? Even if I get my answers from him, that's not going to stop my. Uh, that's not going to stop me from having these feelings. Mm-hmm. So she decided at that point not to do the interview or not to go talk to him mm-hmm. and just forgive him mm-hmm. and move on. And she said once she made that decision in her mind, it completely changed her life. Mm-hmm. She eventually went on went on to write the book, which was becoming therapeutic for her, mm-hmm. and plus just sharing the story of forgiveness from somebody else. And it's just one of many stories that, or people that we interviewed on that show that was like that, mm-hmm. you know, that people were wronged in a fashion. We had another, another story and I forget the name, uh, but they were camping and the daughter was kidnapped mm-hmm. and held for a year before the daughter was finally killed. Mm-hmm. But then the, the killer would taunt the mom with phone calls. Oh my gosh. That would be awful. And so finally... The police nabbed him because he made a call, they traced it, and they got him. Mm -hmm. And so, again, she was consumed with hate, but it wasn't until she forgave the guy Mm -hmm. that she finally got her life back Mm -hmm. and finally got to, you know, get some sort of healing. Although, you know, you can never get past the loss of a death of a loved one, especially a child or grandchild. Mm -hmm. But the healing process began with the forgiveness of these people that, uh, you know, enacted the crime. Right. And I want to make a point right there before we move on is that... It's not the the healing for her or for them in those two stories didn't come 
because the other person asked for forgiveness or they were sorry for what they did or any type of behavior that the murderer um, did. That's not what brought her healing. And a lot of people will park there and say, I am not going to forgive until they ask for it or I'm not going to forgive until they pay me back or that they get all the punishment they deserve, then I will feel better. If they get the death penalty, then then I will be able to forgive. Forgiveness doesn't work that way. Forgiveness is on our side and it relieves us out of our prison and it gives us our healing it has nothing to do with the other person that hurt us. Yeah, and see, and that was for me and my story with this person, a friend of mine. I always wanted to, like I would catch these little lies or these half-truths or whatever you want to call them, and then I'd want to stop whatever it is I was doing with them. But then the part of me was like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is just kind of who they are. And maybe I should just forgive them without talking to them about it and just move on. Mm. But see, then that became just a compounding the issue, compounding the issue because mm-hmm. the behavior never changed, which, you know, is whatever. But it made me more frustrated mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, okay, this last thing was the straw that broke the camel's back and I'm just done. Mm-hmm. done people I'm done <laughs> and so um, but then now you know a period of time has gone by and it's like okay at what point do I go back I'm not really consumed with vengeance I don't really mm-hmm. care you know the energy for vengeance but it was like um, you know it just got to the point where it's like I'm, I'm done mm-hmm. and so I think of all these other people like the stories we just shared and how mm-hmm. they've forgiven people mm-hmm. and the egregiousness of the acts against them are mm-hmm. way more than you know somebody just kind of lying and you know mm-hmm bullshitting me Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like at what point then or am i you know how who am i to not forgive somebody that might you know tell some half truths or just kind of use me or Mm -hmm. you know really minuscule things compared to killing a loved one Mm -hmm. when these people like the kathy scott's of the world are able to go out and forgive people that actually killed somebody that they loved well i think there's one one step in there that I heard that is not the same in both situations. So you asked the question, at what point do I go back? I don't think they were asking that question. At what point do I go back and and befriend this person or have a relationship with this person? They were forgiving the murderer to go on with their own life so that they're not consumed with hatred, consumed with anger, consumed with punishment, revenge, and all that kind of stuff. They wanted to release themselves of that duty of, of, um, making sure that, that, you know, that person got what they deserved. So we don't go back until if, and when there's trust built. So when we forgive someone, it doesn't mean that we're going to go back to the relationship or go back to the person. Trust is earned. Forgiveness is instant. Trust is earned over a long period of time after many steps have been taken. So if this person wants to come back into your life, so, and I often, this is, um, I hear stories, so many stories of people who have spouses that have cheated on them. And so the spouse will, um, move out of the house either with the person they're cheating on or just, you know, move out because they're like, Oh, you cheated on me. You know, they should leave the house. They shouldn't have the privileges of the marriage in the house if they're going to cheat. So they should leave. But then people let them come back. The person says, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll never do it again. And then the, the one that's left will say, Oh, I should forgive them. That's the, you know, the Bible tells us, you know, we're supposed to forgive. That's what I'm supposed to do. And so the person comes back and then they cheat again and then they're back and forth and back and forth. And this person is just, you know, being walked all over. 
that's not forgiveness. That's codependence. There's nothing in there that's, that's, that's supposed to be what forgiveness looks like. What you're doing is allowing yourself to be um, abused. So if someone does something to us, then there is restitution that has to be made. There is trust that has to be built and earned. Maybe if someone cheats on you, then they need to go to um, maybe a therapy or maybe they need to go get counseling or join a men's group or a women's group or there's all kinds of things, all kinds of stuff. Cause a lot of time pornography is also involved in those situations or some type of an addiction. And so there's a lot of steps that have to be taken. The person has to be genuinely like, I want to make this up to you. I'm going to do a 180, 180 degree turn. I do not want to do this behavior anymore because it's hurting you. I see that it's hurting you. I don't want to do that anymore. And so I'm going to make it up to you. And if they're doing that, working on themselves, getting help, going to weekly meetings over a period of time, trust is built and then they can come back. But if they're not doing that and they just say, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I just want to come home. Well, that's about them. They just want to be back in the house and maybe their, their affair, you know, didn't go so well. So now they want to come back to the marriage. So that's where the chaos comes in. So the person, you know, like in your friend's case, then their trust also has to be built. And I wouldn't go back to the relationship unless you saw a change in them or they, they approached you and said, Hey, I get it. I'm so sorry. This is, um, I understand they're able to articulate what they did. They're able to own it. They're able to apologize for it. They're able to say, I see that it hurt you in this way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make it up to you. If that's not happening, then, then you can forgive immediately, which releases yourself, but then you keep a boundary and they don't get to come closer. What if I just want the MFR to spend life in the electric chair? <laughs> I'm not talking about this particular instance. This is here's another story. So I was uh, working at a radio station somewhere, and um, at the off chance that somebody hears this from that place, I'm going to keep it as anonymous as I can. <laughs> and we had this program director. <laughs> And this guy was just a bastard. And he was like the, the worst guy I ever came across. In fact, if I'm honest, he's the only guy, the only person in this world that I ever just hated. Mm. He was that bad. Wow. He was so bad that I just up and left the radio station. I just quit on a whim and took off. Wow. With nothing, no wow. job, no nothing. He was that bad. Then I found out he died. Oh. I didn't grieve. <laughs> I didn't care. You get rotten hell for all I care. But then as the years went by, you know, I kind of stopped thinking about him, stopped kind of, um, you know, obsessing. I wasn't really obsessed on it because, you know, I, I took steps. I left because I could mm-hmm. and I left. That was my choice. Mm-hmm. But because of the, the stuff that he did and the way he was and the things he said and his actions, I had nothing for this guy. Mm-hmm. And then when I found out he died, still had nothing for him. Mm-hmm. And then I started to think, okay, is there something I could have done to rectify that situation before I left? No. Would he have ever changed? Probably not. Although some people said he did change, but I don't think he would have changed towards me. That's why I left. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was one of those things where like, I was like, whatever, when I heard the the passing of him, but it was that bad. And even to this day, now I don't think about him, obviously. and, And the whole thing's mute because the guy's not here anymore. But in that instance... Is there post uh, posthumous forgiveness or is he dead? And that's just it. No, because forgiveness has to do with us. 
doesn't have to do with the other person. Like if they ask for forgiveness, now there's a, a transaction involved and you don't have to grant it. I mean, it's a just because they're asking doesn't mean that you have to grant it. There's a steps, you know, they're involved as well. But forgiveness is not necessarily about the other person. Now, if you're in a marriage, then obviously, you know, if you have to work together at it, trust has to be built. They don't get to come back for a while. But um, people, we can forgive dead people. You know, sometimes people have parents that treated them horribly and they're dead. And it's like, okay, well, now it's too late. No, we, we can still, forgiveness is about healing our own heart and healing our own. Because if we don't forgive, if there's people in our life, whether they're dead or living, and we don't forgive that person, what happens is, is that we project that unforgiveness onto other people and it spreads in our life, not theirs, but in our life. And so now we're walking around with this, okay, I have this person that I haven't forgiven. Then that translates to other people that we meet. And now we're quicker to, to hold on to unforgiveness in other situations. And now we are this person who is looking at the world in a lens of people owe me, um, I need justice, I need to be paid back. And we start to get this heart that's like skewed in the direction of being, you know, self-serving in a respect that people, are, you know, are not taking care of me, they owe me. And, and it's just a way, it's just a lonely way of, we push people away that way. We don't draw people to us, we kind of push people away. Can forgiveness and not liking the person coexist? Yes. How so? Well, if someone murdered your child, because again, forgiveness is about us. And so I think about, um, for some, I don't know why I've never met this person, but for some reason, whenever I talk about forgiveness or think about forgiveness, I always think about OJ Simpson and, um, uh, Kim Goldman because Ron Brown Goldman oh, right, right, yeah, right, right. His, yeah. Kim Goldman was the sister of Ron Brown Goldman and so Kim Goldman is a person who is still in charge of um, keeping track of the punishment that OJ has received her life is consumed with she even has a podcast um, now I don't know if it's still going but she this is what January of 2020 so I think it was in the last six months maybe a year um, she started a podcast around this issue. And I just, when I heard that, my, I just, my heart sunk because I did want her so badly to forgive, not because what he did was, you know, okay, it certainly wasn't. I mean, he murdered her brother and, and, um, Nicole Brown, uh, Nicole, yeah, right? Nicole. Yeah. So I, she, it just feels like she's stuck in that. Now, that's hard because he's out now. I mean, he was in jail in Vegas for so many years, and now he's back in Florida. But um, so I'm not saying that this is easy, but she is in a prison where I feel like she is still in charge of exacting his punishment and making sure that he never has a day. She's in charge of, of she's trying to be in charge of his destiny and his you know life. And that's got to be so um, time. The, the, so the energy that she is putting out. So forgiveness is not about the other person. It's about us and about the way that we are living our life and the, the energy that we are putting out in this situation. Um, 
it's a heinous, heinous, like you're not forgiving the murder. You're not saying like, okay, I, I'm going to let you, what you did is okay. Forgiveness is saying I am relieving myself of the duty of making sure that you're punished and it's relieving you of the responsibility of giving me what I need. That's what forgiveness is. It's unplugging those two things. There was a song, one of my, in fact, he probably is my all time favorite musical artist, Steve Taylor, a mm-hmm. uh, Christian artist from the eighties. And he has a song called to forgive. It's a song about a guy or the, the Pope. In fact, it's a song that has various uh, themes to it, but one of it is uh, about when the uh, Pope was shot, mm-hmm. how the Pope went and visited the guy that shot him. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of the opening. Uh, 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 you know, I saw, uh, I saw the eyes and the look of surprise mm-hmm. from the guy that shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Pope came and visited him. And it talks, and then it goes through these things. And then at the end it goes, because um, it, it talks about, I saw a man holding the hand that fired a gun at his heart. Mm-hmm. I saw the eyes and the look of surprise as he left this embellishing mark, the Pope visiting him. Like it like took the guy and was like, oh, wow, there's something. And then it goes to the end. It goes, you know, and I saw the, uh, and I saw the hand, uh, and I saw the guy or, um, or I saw the eyes something like that with his, with the hole in his hands mm-hmm. that offers a miracle cure. You know, it's always talking about Jesus who mm-hmm. was crucified mm-hmm. and how he forgave the people that did that. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I think about that. Is there something that we can do or is there anything that somebody can do to us that's so egregious? And I guess maybe in some of these instances with murder, it can kind of compare, but Jesus was innocent when he was crucified and he forgave the people. So who are we not to forgive? Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that always in my mind, that one song throughout my entire life has always been the one thing that has always kept me back or going back to at some point in time, because mm-hmm. sometimes you need that you know time to forgive to the forgiveness aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And even with the dude that died, who was the old PD that I really despised, you know, it came to the point where it was like, okay, it was never going to be rectified in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I don't know his fate. So I don't know the afterlife for him, but, um, but to myself, it was always rectified to the fact that, you know, here's a guy that nothing, he did nothing wrong in Jesus and yet he was crucified and he still forgave. And so when I think of that and I think about the Kathy Scotts who had people, family members murdered by somebody and they still forgive, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like, then who are we not to Mm -hmm. based on, you know, the things that are done to us. And it's not like you have to have depth and severity and degrees of wrongness done to you because I think that's where we get tripped up sometimes because I think because because you take you talk about spouses or just relationships and the the cheating aspect you know anybody who's dated has had their heart broken right you know and how often do we forgive or not forgive Mm -hmm. I remember my first experience with somebody back uh, in high school Uh, something happened and I didn't forgive that person for the longest time Mm because you know they broke my heart Mm mm-hmm and so it was like, at what point then do you forgive somebody, mm-hmm. you know? And when it comes to the relationship thing and the heart, you know, sometimes it's easier to forgive somebody in a working environment or a business environment, but sometimes in relationships, that's even harder mm-hmm. because the heart is involved right. and the heart can't mend as easily as maybe something else like the mind because, oh, you know, my boss uh, said some bad things to me, so I hate him. Well, okay, now I'm over it, so I forgive him. Whereas my heart was broken, how do I forgive that person? And that's the hardest thing. Yeah, I think because on a financial basis, you know, forgiving the debt is to take the debt off of the balance sheet. Right. And so there's no heart in that, you know, when we're talking about a financial transaction. But when we're talking about forgiveness, I think the heart is always involved because because we need certain things from 
this person that they are not able to give us. Maybe we need an apology. Maybe we need them to be honest. Maybe we need them to accept what they've done, to acknowledge the pain that they've caused us. And when they are not able to provide that need, it hurts our heart. It hurts us deeply. It just cuts us to our core. And so that's why relieving them of the responsibility of providing that need that I need is so difficult. So I'm thinking about a person who needed to forgive a parent. And that is, you know, this person went through a really rough time um, in that forgiveness process because, you know, we, it's like, okay, if I don't, if I, if I let, we think that we're letting the person off the hook, but we're not, we're keeping that we're, we're actually holding them accountable and we're saying, I'm not going to be involved in this anymore. Um, but to forgive this person, they actually had to have like a funeral in their head for like a week because every time this parent did something, they were just in a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And it was causing them to uh, be depressed for days on end. It was causing them to um, have difficulty in their marriage relationship. It was messing up a lot of things in their daily life every time this parent did something. And so to, you know, and people kept saying, oh, you have to forgive. And this person's like, you don't understand. Like, you don't understand what they've done. You don't understand, you know, this is my parent. And it's so hard in those situations. But once they had the, the one of the reasons why this person had such a hard time forgiving the parent is because when they realized that that parent wasn't able to provide what they needed, they then that means that they just didn't have that parent in the in the in the mother father sense. Right. I mean, the person's still there, but not in the parental sense. And it's like and that was the biggest anguish was them realizing that, man, uh, yeah, I can forgive this person, but then that means that if I relieve them of the duty of providing the needs for me, then I'm not going to get that need met. And then I'm not, that means I don't have a parent in that sense of the word. So it was very difficult, a lot of anguish. But then when they had like this funeral in their head um, and actually, you know, quote unquote, you know, buried the the parent, you know, in this, um, metaphorical, you know, funeral and really unplug those needs and desires that they needed from that person, relieved them from that duty. Um, this person was like free. Now they still have a relationship, but it's not a parent child relationship anymore. It's more of like a friend, but the person's not getting hurt anymore, you know, by what that parent is doing. And, um, so that's the hard part is like, yeah, I can forgive someone, but when I release them of the of those meeting my needs, then it's like, it feels horrible. Cause it's like, well, then where am I going to get that need met? I don't have another parent. So, you know, who's going to fill that in? So that's the hard, that's the scary part why we, you know, do it so long and, or we're just waiting for that apology or we're just waiting for that acknowledgement. That's just never going to come. We have to relieve ourselves of those needs because it makes us crazy. And we're the ones that are suffering, not them. So I think how hard, as you say that, I think how hard it must be for, you know, let's say kids that were abused by mm-hmm. parents mm-hmm. or teachers, or maybe there was a physical abuse as far as like a beating or a sexual abuse, mm-hmm. things like that. And what that must be like, because I've fortunately never experienced that, but you can only imagine as you describe this person that you're talking about, kind of like having the funeral mm-hmm. in your head. And I know that you've worked and gone and visited people in strip clubs, the the, the workers there and stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm, I would imagine the lives that they've experienced to get mm-hmm. to where they're at. 
there must be some things out there that people have gone through and experienced the egregiousness of life, mm-hmm. the worst things. I mean, there were times, and again, with working with the Frank Sontag show, we would deal with, with people that were uh, ch- children that were sexually trafficked, you know, ch- yeah, child trafficking yeah. and sexually exploited. And you hear these stories of people mm-hmm. telling their stories, and you're like, man, how could you ever forgive mm-hmm. these people that abused you and raped you mm-hmm. and did all these horrific things to you and they drugged you and stuff? But yet, these people still find forgiveness in the heart Mm -hmm. and then that's when the healing has begun for them Mm -hmm. and then you hear stories of people that just like you said like maybe even you know uh kim goldman Mm -hmm. they're not going to forgive and they have yet to begin the healing process right right and that's just it's such a um a sad place to live and um you know when we still hang on to it's, I think it's the so one side of it is that we're relieving them of the duty to provide the needs that we need. But then, two, we're also letting go of keeping track of the punishment and, and, and making sure that revenge has taken place and justice is taking place because we want we want people to pay for what they've done. And thank God um, there is justice in the world. You know, there's there's here on Earth, you know, there's um, jails and prisons and and you know, all kinds of things that, that can bring justice. Um, you know, as a believer, it's not getting, it's not letting the justice go. It's giving it to God and letting him exact the justice. So I don't have to be in charge of it, but he will. So it's not like they're not going to get punished either here or in the next life. They are going to get punished, but I don't have to be in charge of it. That's the difference. So forgiveness relieves me of that duty and says, okay, Lord, you've got this. I don't get it. I want him to die. I want to poke his eyes out. I just want to, you know, put a knife through their heart. Like we relieve ourselves of all of that anger and let him take care of it. So it's not that, oh, okay, fine. We're just going to, you know, not worry about them. No, they are going to get punished, but we're going to let, I'm going to let God take care of it instead of me so that I don't have to live my life with all of this energy towards this, you know, person. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think the hardest thing too, for people just, you know, cause I've been in a situation through uh, radio and producing, talking to people, getting the backstory from people. And even there's been times where people have even told me their story um, and shared things with me that I haven't even share because a lot of times I kind of have the the clergy lawyer kind mm-hmm. of mentality. When people tell me something, I'm not going to share it right. because I'm just not going to share it. And then that started in the producing world. People would tell me parts of their story and then I would kind of pick and choose what we could tell the host for the host to talk about. But there's some things that people have told me, I don't say anything. And so I have, harbor a lot of secrets. And through that, I've found out that there are a lot of things that people go through and they really find it hard to forgive somebody Mm -hmm. because they just can't. And I know, you know, in my situation, it's, 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 it seems minuscule because, you know, here's somebody lying, whatever, versus these other things, you know, rape or uh, sexual assault or, you know, a parent being, you know, a certain way towards you. And you think, hey, come on, you know, so they lied, big deal. But I guess it goes back to that, the hurtness that we have, that we, that we suffer personally through it, whether it be the betrayal, whether it be the, uh, the pain that we have from a relationship, breakup, maybe it's a cheating, someone cheating. You know, and it goes back to our own pain. So before we can forgive, I think we have to get to a point where even though forgiveness is part of the healing process, we have to get to the point where we have to be start to become healed ourselves to get over that 
before we can even forgive somebody. Because if we're not, if I'm not healed from it, let's say something happens to me, like, um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not healing from that. I'm not getting over it. How am I going to forgive somebody if I still harbor that pain and suffering mm-hmm. that I endured? And I know forgiveness can lead to that, but there still has to be something I think done because there's a lot of people that still harbor that because they just can't get over the fact, the pain and the hurt that happened to them when it happened to them. Well, that's another myth about forgiveness is that we think that it's a single moment or a single transaction. And it's actually a whole process. There's many steps involved in forgiveness. So the first step, obviously, is just feeling the pain. And we all feel the pain. Right. And so this person has done this to me and I'm I'm you know, just excruciating pain. So then, um, but sometimes we, we park there, but if, you know, the healing process and the forgiveness process, we got to move on and we have to, sometimes we feel global pain. And so, but we don't know specifically like what is hurting us. So I asked someone yesterday, I said, okay, what is it that you need from this person? Cause this person is having a really hard time forgiving this other um, person and just will. And sometimes, and I've said a couple of times to this person, I'm like, I think that, that you don't want to, for you just don't want to forgive. It's not that you don't know how you just want to hang on to this. And some, for some of us where it takes us several years before we're ready to let it go. But part of that process is, you know, obviously feeling the pain, but then writing down, like make a list, like, what do you need from this person? What is it that you're looking for from this person? Are you looking for them to acknowledge what they've done? Are you, do you need them to take care of you in a certain way? Do you need them to, to, um, like this parent person, like it's, there's nothing wrong with saying, I need a mom. I need a dad. There's nothing wrong with that. I need a brother. I need a sister. Like, or I need a wife or I need a husband. Like I need you to be, you know, in that role. And some people are just not capable. Right. And so what do you need? So being honest, cause sometimes we feel ashamed about what we need from that person. It seems silly. Like I just need this person to respect me enough to tell me the truth. And that's not trivial. It's like what we do in community. It's what, it's how relationship grows is that we build a trust and then we are, um, in this two way, you know, street. And if the person, it feels very like betrayal, if they're not honest, you know, I also have someone in my life that isn't completely honest and I keep them at a distance. And so it does, it feels like betrayal. It feels like disrespected. Like, gosh, if you can't even be on, like honest with me, like then who am I? I'm just a, you know, so write down what you need from this person and be honest about it. And then we have to grieve the fact that we're never going to get those needs met from that person ever. They're not capable of giving us what we need. They're just not. So we grieve that loss. That's where the funeral is. Then we say, who, where can I get these needs met? Where else, who else in my life can meet these needs for me? Then we go move to, okay, now I'm ready to um, pull the plug and relieve them of the responsibility of meeting this need for me. And I'm going to relieve myself of the responsibility of trying to fix it, of trying to make it right, of trying to, um, enact, you know, I'm going to stop asking for therapy. I'm going to stop um, pushing this because they're obviously not wanting to reciprocate. So I'm going to draw the line and I'm going to say, okay, Lord, you're in charge of their punishment. I'm going to move on and I'm going to put a boundary line here. So when those things happen, that is when we can say, okay, I'm ready to forgive when we have gone through all of those, but it's the whole process. It's not a a single item line item. It's like 10 steps that you have to go through and each step might take a week or a year, but until you move through those steps, um, I think that 
is when we are really ready to, to, to move on and be out of that prison and say that we've forgiven. You mentioned the funeral in the mind for that person or that thing. So if we have the funeral in our mind to bury this, mm-hmm. can we still piss on the grave? No, no. Is that not a part of it? No. No. Because now you're now you're getting revenge. No. <laughs> so I can't have revenge in my mind and forgiveness. No. Damn. No, no, okay. no, no, no. No, because, and you know what? It's freeing because I've gone through this process personally. I have done this a couple of times with different people. And I'm telling you, and my husband will tell you, that once I, this wasn't a single day, single transaction. Oh, I'm just going to forgive. It's not like that. I went through all of these steps. I've done it. And I'm telling you that with this, especially with this one person, it was like a switch by the time I got to that final state. And now this person does whatever they do. They're just them. And it doesn't phase me a bit. I might look at things and be like, man, that's just really sad. I feel bad for them. But it doesn't hurt me anymore. It's not causing me depression anymore. It's not causing me to cry and to, you know, yell at you know get into like can you believe what this person did i don't i don't feel that need anymore i'm like wow that's really sad and then i move on see there was a um we talked about in the last episode the last podcast when we were talking about resolutions in the new year was uh cutting the yuck <laughs> you mother yuckers cut it out cut the yuck cut the yuck <laughs> but it reminds me of uh i was sitting in a bar one time yes i do go to bars and I was talking to the bartender. She's really cool. But she was telling me that she had a relationship breakup and it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, not from, from this point, from the conversation. And it had taken her like two years to get over it. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, man, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there is no time frame. Mm-mm. It's not a singular moment or a singular Mm-mm. act for the forgiveness. It might take a while. Mm-hmm. She eventually, during the conversation, told me she was over it, but it had taken like a two-year process to mm-hmm. get over the guy, to get over the situation, to get over the breakup. I guess he had you know, hurt her whatever she didn't really go into a whole lot of detail because mm-hmm. I really didn't want to know it because I'm trying to enjoy my beer <laughs> drowning my own sorrows in my own beer don't need the bartender's <laughs> sorrow in my beer either not enough room for sorrow That's in a beer cup yucky when someone else's sorrows yes. are in your beer don't spoil my sorrow for beer That's right. with your sorrow <laughs> but, um, but so there is a period of time that probably can go by before um, you get that complete I guess, wholeness or whatever. Well, they're also like in that two year time when you mentioned, you know, that there's also like, we also have to understand the betrayal part. So when someone hurts us that we have to question who we are and whether or not we believe the lie that, that we were, we deserved whatever it was that happened to us. We all, there's also that part that takes a long time. It's like, okay, this person betrayed me or rejected me or abandoned me. So what does that mean? Does it mean that I deserve that? Is that, is that, am I not worthy? So we also have to answer that question in ourselves also as part of the forgiveness process. No, I didn't deserve that. No, I am worthy to be treated better. And some of us don't believe that. And until we do, we can ever get through the forgiveness process. We get stuck there as well. So that's the hardest thing I think people have to get over is the, the being used part, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to relationships. Right. I know we've talked about, you know, crime, and you know each person has their own uh, difficulties with the circumstances of those that have harmed them. Mm-hmm. But I think the biggest thing 
is when it comes to relationships, being hurt in a relationship because they were either used Mm -hmm. or because they were betrayed or because things start a certain way, then all of a sudden just ended for no reason and Mm -hmm. there's no excuse, I mean, excuse, but no explanation, just Mm -hmm. all of a sudden done, Mm -hmm. you know, cut off type of thing. And I think that's the hardest thing for people to get over is the relationship thing. Because again, when you're when you're dealing with a crime, for example, mm-hmm. and fortunately I have not, so I can't really talk too much about it, but there's a tangible thing that happened. You know, someone was taken. Mm-hmm. But when it's, when it's the, kind of the, the passion of the heart, when the heart breaks, it's a lot harder for that heart to mend. Because I think when, when a crime is committed against somebody in the family, there's a lot of hatred. Mm-hmm. That is the driving force behind the unforgiveness. Right. Okay. It's not, I don't think it's necessarily the brokenness of the heart. It's still there, but I think it's the hatred. So for me, I think there's a difference between hatred driven unforgiveness Mm -hmm. and a broken heartedness Mm -hmm. unforgiveness. I think those two different things. And I think it's hard for people to really get over on a day to day basis, the broken heartedness that leads to the unforgiveness. Well, I think you're right. And I think that, again, that has to, you have to answer that question. Then who am I? If someone would do this to me, then what does that mean about me? Because, you know, if someone, if your loved one is murdered, it's like, okay, crazy town took my, my brother, took my, you know, family, my two, you know, grandkids or whatever. That wasn't necessarily a personal Attack, But when we are betrayed, when we are rejected, when we are abandoned, that feels deeply personal against our character. It's a direct hit on our heart. And so then not only do we have to deal with the anger that this person is, as you know, a murderer or betrayer, liar, you know, whatever, um, abuser, but we also have to deal with the fact that it was pinpointed directly at us. And then that's where the question is, okay, so what was my part in this? Did I, you know, bring this on? Did I not see something? We start questioning ourselves, you know, did I bring the, you know, there's a lot of questions that we have to answer. And, you know, and I know I have talked about my parents divorce before, and and I know divorce kids have to go through a lot of questions to try and sort this out. It's like, well, um, is it my fault? Is, Is there something out there that's better than me? There's all these questions about our own character that we have to answer. And we do feel worthless. We do feel less than when we are betrayed or rejected or abandoned. And it's that that's the part that sometimes that we need is like, no, I need to feel like I'm not worthy of being rejected. I need to feel like there's somebody, I need to feel like I am the, the, you know, greatest thing since sliced bread to somebody. And if we keep getting, um, you know, dumped on or getting abused or whatever, it's, I've been in that place where I've been, you know, I remember sitting in a traffic light one time, many, many, many years ago, just crying, just being like, God, is there not one person on this planet that is going to treat me like I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread? Not one. Seriously, out of the million, billion people on the planet, not one person is going to treat me like a queen. And the answer was that I wasn't treating myself like the greatest thing since sliced bread. I wasn't treating myself with respect. And so I was allowing other people to not treat me with respect. And I was suffering, you know, over and over again, the same rejections and abandonments because I was, I didn't have good boundaries. I wasn't standing up for myself. I didn't have a voice. And so I was allowing a lot of, a lot of the chaos that came in, not all of it. Obviously I had nothing to do with my parents' divorce, but, um, so we, the, we there's a lot of questions that we have to answer. Maybe we have a bad people picker and we're attracting people that, that, um, 
are addicts or we're attracting people that don't have boundaries or attracting people. Sometimes we have to answer that. And so when we, when we feel ugly about that and we like don't want to address it, we will project it out. And then those needs, I need you to treat me so that, so that I'm not going to be abandoned or rejected. That's the need that we have to release from people um, and relieve them of that duty to, to go through the forgiveness process. And that's the hard part because that means that we have to acknowledge who we are and that's hard sometimes. It's the saddest thing that I've seen where somebody full of potential, full of life continues to choose somebody to date mm-hmm. or to go out with that continues to harm them, hurt them. Yes. And it doesn't have to be the same person, but just that personality. Yeah. And that's just heartbreaking. They, they go it's through the same pattern of person yeah. over and over and over. And so they have a bad people picker. They're people picking people who are um, abusing them, taking advantage of them. And then they say, oh, I don't under, I'm not worthy of being loved. I'm not worthy of being with someone. There's nobody else out there that's going to love me. So I just have to be with this person. Those are all lies. And that's where we have to come to terms with ourselves. Like, am I worthy? Am I worthy of being loved? Am I worthy of loving myself? Am I worthy of receiving love? And if we deep down feel that we're not, then we're going to keep attracting people who are going to keep taking advantage of us. And, and so we have to be able to stand up and say, I am worthy to be treated better. I'm not going to settle for this. And I'm going to walk away from this relationship, even though it means I'm not going to have a boyfriend or girlfriend at this time, you know, because sometimes we stay with people because we don't want to be alone. But, um, yeah, so that whole forgiveness gets so complicated because there's the, you know, identity for ourselves, this, the, you know, what our needs, you know, what our needs are. And, you know, we, sometimes we just put up with things that we shouldn't because we need to not be alone or we don't know how to get help. And so we need somebody to be around us, even though they're not treating us well, it gets super complicated. And then that's where people just languish in this unforgiveness. And it's just so um, toxic. And see, that's why I thought it was kind of prudent to talk about, because we talk about the beginning of the new year and we talk about how people in the beginning of the, the new year, January 1st or January 2nd, they're going to have these resolutions that they want to go through and they want to start something new and something fresh. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you can't start something new and something fresh unless you get rid of the past, the old, so the true. dead, so and, true. and in order to cut that off. And so maybe, so maybe the new year is a time for us all to kind of consider maybe forgiving those that might have harmed us, hurt us, done something to us, mm-hmm. and maybe start fresh and maybe walk, maybe, maybe requires us walking away from somebody or changing our behavior towards somebody or reducing our time by hanging out with somebody. But then also maybe it's just time for us to really consider forgiving somebody that has done something towards us Mm -hmm. so that we can start to a heal ourselves. Mm -hmm. But then B we talked about in the last episode, change our mindset so that our mindset puts us in a situation where we can achieve those uh, resolutions that we set forth for the new year Mm -hmm. and start to have some success in life and not to get bogged down by the anchor of all the stuff that happened in the past. Easier said than done. But I think Tara's done a great job of explaining kind of the process and the steps of what it takes to try to get there and to do that and knowing that it's not a one instance thing it's like a process that might take some time mm-hmm. and so that's why I think you know now might be a time for some of us to consider you know making that decision you know what? I'm gonna start the process of forgiveness not because of the other person 
Mm -hmm. Screw them. Yeah. But for me. Right. I'm going to get me out of my prison. I'm going to start my healing process. They can go screw themselves for all we care, but it's going to be about me because I want to get over it. I want to move on. And I want 2020, for example, to be the best year possible and so forth. In order for that to happen, I need to take care of myself first, get my house in order so that then I can move forward, change my mindset. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was just reminded of a 90-year-old woman. Actually, I think at the time this conversation took place was 80. She was in her 80s. And um, there was she had suffered a lot of hurt in her life. She's now in her 80s. There was a conversation where she recounted how certain people had hurt her. And she literally brought out telephone bills to prove that she was right about certain things. And I thought that that was just so sad. Like, I don't want to be that person. That forgiveness and, and peaceful life and a peaceful mindset, a peaceful heart, it doesn't happen with the passing of time. Time changes nothing. Time is, a, is an inanimate, um, it just keeps track of things. It doesn't do anything. The only thing that time that happens in the passage of time is that our heart either gets harder or we purposely learn how to open our heart and to be more loving and more forgiving. And that has to happen with work that we purposely do on purpose. I'm going to say the word purpose like a thousand times because it, that's the only, we have to be purposeful about it. It doesn't happen by itself. And we get to that point in our lives where if we don't decide to forgive, if we don't decide to take care of some of our issues, we're going to be like that 80 year old lady hanging onto those phone bills. See, I knew I was right. Like, okay, what does that do? Like she's going to her grave with the phone bills in her hand, proving that she was right. Look at all the stuff that she missed out on by not forgiving the joy that she could have brought to the people around her by participating in life in a, in a joyful, positive way. And instead of wanting revenge and, and just desperately wanting that apology, that's never going to come. It's about our heart that if we don't forgive, it's we're like signing our own, um, death certificate. We just slowly die and we just get harder and harder and see the world in a different way. And it's very sad. I think too, the other thing is that once you do forgive and once you move on, if you can, but once you do that, that liberating feeling, yes, there's nothing like it. I am so you know, free. There's, there's no, yeah. There's nothing <laughs> like it out there yeah. that uh, the feeling of like, just this thing <sighs> off your chest, off your shoulders, this yep. thing is just done. Yep. And, and that's what happened. I mean, literally that's what happened. Cause we're talking about this, this incident with my friend and and so I've been kind of harboring this thing, still trying to be nice, still trying to do things, you know, be friends, stuff like that. But then I just kind of realized, you know what, I'm just done. Mm-hmm. And then I just, you know, was done. Mm-hmm. And once I had that, and I, yeah, the forgiveness part still working on, because like you said, it's a process. But the moment I decided, you know what, I'm not going to harbor these feelings anymore. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a light bulb went off and this thing, and I'm like, all of a sudden, 50 pounds lighter. I'm like, wow, where was this? Yeah. Wish I would have done this yeah, a long time, long time ago. ago. Because that was the, the thing. And again, you know, it's still a process that I'm going through, but it's like, I don't care. You know, I'm not, I'm not harboring over the, oh, you know what? This person said this, but that doesn't make sense because they also said this. Well, mm-hmm. that can't match that because that's contradictory. And, oh, that person's lying because mm-hmm. they said this. I know that's not true. And, you know, what? oh, I saw that on social media and, you know, and you're going through all this stuff right. and it continues to consume you. But then once you're like, you know, eh, F it, I'm just going to get be done with it and and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And then all of a sudden it was just this release. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, 
I'm no longer consumed by it, and it's freeing. Yes. Because now my time is filled with other things. Mm-hmm. I can now put my time and energy and effort into, for me, being creative. And we talked exactly. about in the last podcast. Yeah. I can now do things as a creative person that maybe will benefit other people in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Or I can worry about other friends that might be having issues that I might be able to help them with. Or just be a friend to other people that just need a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, because loneliness mm-hmm. is another thing that, you know, is probably a topic of conversation for another day. But people out there are just lonely. Mm -hmm. And being able to be not consumed by here and the stuff that was going on with my friend here opens me up to maybe being available to something else. So it's not only freeing for me, it's also opening myself up to be available Mm -hmm. to something else, Mm -hmm. to someone else that might need me or my creativity that allows me to do something that is more fun in life than Mm -hmm. be consumed by this, uh, you know. Uh, situation, this relationship. Exactly, exactly. And I think to to kind of give it a um, a picture, forgiveness is like not when you're when you're can't forgive, feel like you can't forgive, or you feel like there's something that's just unforgivable. It's like you're standing in a really long line, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And so you're not available to get in other you know lines. Hey, let's go create this or let's go do this or let's you can't because you're in this other line. You're stuck. So to use an amusement park analogy, mm-hmm. you're standing in this line. Yes. The fast pass is forgiveness. Exactly. To get out of that line <laughs> and into the next line for the next <laughs> ride of life. Exactly. And so that way, then you're not consumed with this long wait. You've got your fast pass. You've ridden that ride. Mm-hmm. You may not have liked it. Mm-hmm. Maybe you even threw up when you got off the ride. But now you can recollect yourself and go to the next ride. Yeah. And Be- maybe that ride is better. Because, and the, and the thing that, that we don't realize is that we can grab, we can get out of the line and grab onto that fast pass for other lines. That's the, that's the dumb part, the stupid part is that we're standing in this really long line and we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for what? We're waiting for the other person to meet our needs. Hello? They're never going to be able to meet them, ever. So why are you waiting in that line, wasting all of this time? We have the power to get out of the line. (laughs) Grab that fast pass, go to another ride, get in another line, because it's going to be a lot more enjoyable than being consumed and not have, and being, being consumed and being in the line. Giving someone else the power, right. yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. It's, it's freeing yourself from somebody else having the power. That's right, because they have the power. Like, they're never going to meet your need. Then you're waiting and waiting and waiting. So you're giving them the power to meet your need, but they can't meet your need. They're never going to meet your need. And you're still standing there waiting. And waiting and waiting in the line. See, and to be honest, because we talk about, like you know. worse than the DMV. That's true. Although, I guess now you can get your DMV at Ralph's. Yes, I did. You guys, there's a vending machine in Ralph's and you can go and get your year. I just did it today. I'm so excited. A sticker like comes out the vending Registration machine. Registration sticker. Yes, yes. Okay, so the, the whole point. So, so <laughs> it's the little things. So as we talk, yeah, it is the little things. The, the, the more convenience of not, because there's no fast so pass to the DMV. I'm excited. I, there there's is no, now. There's, there's no a vending pass. machine. Okay, now you it's a vending machine at Ralph's. And then you can get your sticker. You get your groceries, you get your lottery tickets, and you can get your DMV registration all in once. And keys. And keys. They also have a key vending machine that you can get your keys made. But, but see, as we talk about this, as we wrap it up, you know, the whole point of what we do here on the podcast is talk about the shit we've stepped in so you don't have to. Hopefully, yes. you learn something and can uh, and it's beneficial and helpful. But the whole point of bringing up this thing, uh, the last couple of podcast episodes, was purely for my therapeutic benefit. Because it's like... <laughs> When you're consumed by something, mm-hmm. 
and you can't get out of it. You're like in quicksand or you're like drowning and you're just being pulled down, pulled down, pulled down. You're reaching, grasping, and there's nothing there to hold on to to get you out of it. But once you let go, and I guess frozen, let it go, um, once you let go and you give that forgiveness, it's not instantaneous. It's a process. But I think you can let it go while you're in the healing process, because that's where I'm at right now. I'm in the healing process. I've mm-hmm. let it go. I feel a whole lot better. I'm still got some bitterness in me that I'm still trying to get over. And I still have some vengeance. I'd still like to piss on the grave in the funeral in my mind, but I guess <laughs> you can't do that. But I'm getting over it. And I've already felt a whole lot better just in the last couple of weeks from talking about it. And this burden has been uh, lifted. And I think that if you try that, no matter how hard it is, just try to let it go to start let the healing process begin, you'll get this kind of relief off your shoulders and you'll be able to start to feel better about yourself. About yourself. Mm-hmm. And the energy that you have put in the consuming of this hurt, you can now put that energy into something, whether you're a creative person or whether you have a more availability for somebody else, like a friend to go help them. Whatever the case may be, you freed up your time, you freed up your energy, you freed up your mind and your spirit so that you can go do something else that's going to make you feel even better. And I think the forgiveness and the healing process moves quicker Mm -hmm. when you're doing something like that. So don't let whatever it is consume you. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know there's varying degrees of it and you might not be ready, but just think about it. Think about what the possibilities might be if you forgive, let go, don't forget, take the process to heal, but then put your energies in something else because not only is it going to make you feel better, you're going to benefit other people and you can start 2020 off on a good year, get yourself on, on a good note and have a good year and get yourself in the mindset that, you know what, I'm going to put myself in the mindset so that my resolutions, so my year, so anything that I want to do is going to start to improve and get better. And I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to put it in the past. And I would say one other final thought is that um, sometimes as we think about forgiveness, we think that if we let go of this pain, that the situation that we've been through will somehow be invalidated. Sometimes it feels very validating to hang on to that pain. And so um, it's very difficult to let it go because then, um, you know, who are we if we weren't the person that was hurt, you know? Um, So I would say, in those steps that we mentioned earlier, writing out your needs. What is it that you need from this person? What does it mean um, to me that, that, you know, I was betrayed or rejected or abandoned? What does that say about who I am? Um, And then, you know, go through the process of, of letting go, you know, relieving them of the duty of those needs and then relieving yourself of needing to be in charge of the justice. But I would also say that might even help to have a memento or to make a little memorial or to, um, write a song or a poem or have something that resembles not only the pain, but also the healing that you're moving forward. Sometimes having a tangible, um, you know, like we said, the funeral in our mind, grieving what it is that we're not going to get. You can also create something that um, is kind of like a memento so that um, it wasn't in vain. But the only way that that pain's not going to be in vain is if you do something with it, if you grow from it, if you learn from it, if you move forward from it, then it will not be in vain. And you can honor it in a way that's positive and not holding you back on a daily basis. And the other thing too, in the last episode, we talked about, you know, treating others in a manner where you capture their heart because then you're gonna have a positive impact on them. 
You should treat yourself in that same ma- fashion, mm-hmm. that same manner where you capture your own heart. Treat mm-hmm. yourself in a way where you capture your own heart so that way you can love yourself mm-hmm. because then that way you're going to realize just how valuable you are. Mm-hmm. You're going to have the power, not the other person, and you're going to have it get along better in life. Yeah. So treat yourself in a manner where you capture your own heart. Be your own best friend. Yes. And uh, cut the yuck, you mother yuckers. <laughs> Don't spread jerkiness. <laughs> It's That's a new right. year. Stop shitting on yourself. Exactly. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, this is a Two Steps Ahead podcast. I'm Son Edom. You can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks, E-I-D-E-M-R-O-C-K-S. You can also find us at Two Steps Ahead podcast on Instagram and uh, on YouTube. Just search Two Steps Ahead podcast. The videos are there. And uh, Gmail, Two Steps Ahead podcast at gmail.com. So you can pretty much find us anywhere. And your Instagram is? I am at Tara Hoke Shiro, T-A-R-A. H-O-K-E-S-C-H-I-R-O. And I also have a channel on YouTube. And that link is also on my Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTubes, our iCloud, all the platforms where podcasts are. We are there. Um, When you subscribe, that means you will never miss an episode. Yes, we've got Spotify. We've got SoundCloud. We've got iHeartMedia Podcast, Google Play Podcast, Stitcher, all of them. So you can find us just search Everywhere. Two Steps Ahead podcast. podcast. Highlighting the shit we've stepped in so, so you, you don't, don't have, have to. to. <laughs> thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Do tell a friend. If you let one person know, we'd appreciate it. And uh, we've got a great 2020 ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Join us on the journey. We'd love to have you along. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys, for hanging out. We appreciate it as always.